hey, you know, there's this uh, Chinese spy balloon that's located over the uh, United States right now, and everybody's a little concerned about it. And uh, oh, I didn't yeah, know that. It, it, well, they they've had these balloons before, but this balloon apparently is hovering over the U.S. and it's been there for a couple of days, and nobody can figure out how come it hasn't, you know, just done its job and moved on. It's done its spy thing, and huh. I don't know. I guess I'm the only one that can figure it out. It's obviously this this balloon wants to me. It's pretty obvious this balloon wants political yeah. asylum. Uh, oh wow! Well, I never thought of that. Yeah, I don't, and nobody else has come up with that uh, idea. Well, it was maybe uh, I could wonder work why. that. I wonder why. Well, I don't know, but I was going to tr- try to, you know, I've got to be careful here. I don't want to impart fake news, but I was trying to do a groaner, but, well, maybe well, I could work on it. It kind of fell it, apart it just, on you there. It fell apart on me, yeah. It was just a trial balloon, so it's not that big a deal. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, that, that, that's enough of the groans. Uh, oh, hey, we got to show you. You got me groaning. All right, let, let, let's do this. Okay, give me a chance here. Hey, it's the Bro Show, and you arrived just in time. It's hey, hey. Saturday morning, and we're about to record. And, well, actually, it's not really Saturday. It's really Friday, but John's got to travel on Saturday. And I'm not really where I usually am. I'm out in my car trying to stay warm because there's no electricity here. Well, you know, you get the picture of the usual stuff, right, John? Yeah, it's a usual cold wave in Austin. Yeah, we just can't handle it. But our governor's looking after us. I have no fear. <laughs> Within a couple of weeks, we'll have electricity. Yeah. Not worried. Hey, hey, here, for the newcomers, there are four things we talk about every bro show. And one of them is an animal. And we talk about an animal because we have a kind of a mascot animal every single yes. season. And this is the season of what, John? The meerkat. Oh, man. Yes, it is. And so we have a meerkat story today. Also, secondarily, we will have a word. And this is a word we ran into while we were researching. And mm-hmm. number three, we have two takes. This is our main topic. It's something John and I talk about. We may have conflicting views, but we will definitely have different views because we see the world differently. We may talk the same, but we don't think the same. Yep. All right. And what's the last thing we do every single show? We do groaners, uh, dad Two jokes, bad jokes, and these jokes are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr. We sometimes have to go to the uh, groaner vault inventory. Mm. Quite often, we'll have a uh, you know one that we've done before just to kind of do a little comprehension test. But all good, and uh, I've, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay, dude. So hey, uh, yeah. You're asking so a question listen. now. I can feel it yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 what, what, what are you wearing above the belt? Anything exciting? Uh, give us the good word. I know you're, you're, you're in your car. Did you dress accordingly or not? I, well, here's what I did. I am fully clothed. So you actually dad. have something below. You have, like, pants on? Yeah. Oh, yeah you're you're, you're on. probably very uncomfortable. I'm, I'm like a fish <laughs> out of water. I don't know what's going on. But anyway... It's a, it's an indigo shirt. It's one of the new ones. It's one of the Season of the Meerkat t-shirts. Mm, I'm wearing it. And it's gorgeous. It's hey, hey. You have one. You have one, too. Yeah, sure. And I am wearing it. I'm wearing my 
spanking brand new uh, Meerkat uh, long shirt, long uh, sleeve tee. It's black. Uh, it's got Meerkats uh, uh, playing baseball, actually carrying bats. One of them has got a, uh, each of them, you can take a look at their grips. One of them has a tie cop, uh, hand wow. heart grip. Uh, looks like he's wow. about ready to bunt. Uh, all good. It's comfortable. And on a day like today, when it's two degrees here in Chicago, uh, yeah. having a long sleeve, sleeve shirt makes makes a lot of sense. So, oh, boy, I'll say that that was a good call on your part. Prescient, you might say. Yes. OK. Yeah. Well, that's hey, good. Hey, we have, we have a sponsor, don't we? We do have a sponsor. Our sponsor is the Animal Legal Defense Fund. And uh, they their mission is to provide. Uh, protection to the lives and advance the interest of animals through the legal system. So they accomplish this by filing uh, high impact lawsuits to protect animals, providing free legal service to uh, prosecutors uh, to assure that they, you know, they put those uh, bad boys who are abusing animals uh, in jail. They support very tough animal protection legislation. And I, you know, every if they do so much. I can almost say one thing different every week. And one thing I'm going to mention. Oh yeah. This week. Yeah, what's your special thing? Is, the special thing they got this week is they do collaboration with a variety of of uh, of institutions. And one of them that they're working on is finding alternatives to animal testing. And they're working with John Hopkins. Um, University and they're with a couple other institutions looking for ways that they might uh, not only get the animals, uh, you know, from, you know, being that the, the guinea pigs uh, and, uh, and so that they can maybe even find better ways uh, of testing. So that's the good word. But oh, wow. the most important thing that they've got is they got swag. So maybe well, they do have swag. Idea. Yeah, you know, you got you got me one of these shirts, and uh, I got the one that is going to save uh, orcas from being penned up, which is really cruel. And so I love that shirt, and I'm not wearing it today, but I really like it. I packed it, by the way. I'm staying over at Dave's tonight, last night, stay warm. So, yeah, we uh, I got that packed up, and I might wear it this weekend sometime, but I love my swag, and, you know, we have some meerkat swag ourselves, and we have T-shirts, long T-shirts, and um, coffee mugs with amazing meerkat images like the one you just cited, John. Mm-hmm. We have them playing poker, of course. Got to have animals playing poker. And, you know, a bunch of other cool stuff. We've got them meditating. So you can get our swag. And guess what, John? All what? the proceeds from the sale of our T-shirts, our meerkat T-shirts, are going to go to the animal legal defense fund such a deal wow because we use bonfire just like they do and so if you want to buy one of their t-shirts buy one of their t-shirts if you want to give a donation to them give a donation if you want to do the same thing uh with our t-shirts and also check out donations it all goes to them it does not go to us because we are what john we are squeaky clean you got it right. We, we do it. We do it correctly. Hey, uh, so the yeah. the links to get to all this good stuff are located uh, on our website. In the show notes. For them. In the show notes. All good. Yeah, the show notes. Yeah, and you know you can just you can just t- we <laughs> I renamed the merchandise store, John. I now call it the merchandise store. Ooh, good. M e e r c h. There's a groaner yeah. in there somewhere along the line. We have the wordsmith. So you know, we'll, we'll, get we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll we'll get it. We'll get to it. We'll get it. Yeah, we'll it. mine it. I think we got a story. We got a meerkat story. And okay. uh, I call this story the all in the family meerkat story. 
And oh. I'll give you a little bit of intro so that you can, that being the animal man can give us a few of the details. But about six years ago, two meerkats were rescued and brought to a, a Namibian uh, wildlife sanctuary. Uh, Namibia is a, a country located in South Africa, which is the natural uh, location of these uh, meerkats. And mm-hmm. they were brought to this wildlife sanctuary to be treated, released into the private wildlife refuge. Unfortunately, uh, mm. One of the two meerkats died, leaving the female meerkat named Cameron alone and very vulnerable. So for the mm. time being, the sanctuary decided we got to find a place to put this this animal, which needs a, a social interaction with five uh, closely related animals called mongooses. And so at the very least, the story of this coexistence has been heartwarming. But six years later. We take a look at it and maybe you can tell us some of the things that have made this a heartwarming story. Well, yeah. Uh, what makes it work is that meerkats do not, and we've talked about this before, they don't do well by themselves. They have to have uh, a family. And mm-hmm. if they're staying with you, then you become their family. And that has its pluses and its minuses. And they are cute as hell. But the problem is that, you know, they do better with, other meerkats, but there were no uh, were no other meerkats at this at this sanctuary. So they just temporarily put them in with uh, uh, with these mongooses. And you know what? It all worked out perfect, John. The mongooses said, "Hey, this is a little bit of a weird looking mongoose, but you know what? It's our mongoose. We're gonna we're gonna initiate <laughs> this thing into the tribe." And, they they like they do this thing with each other where they crawl all over each other and they kind of scent yeah. each other. They give a scent, uh, the tribal scent that they have. And so this this meerkat got the scent and uh, the meerkat acts like a meerkat, which is actually a big plus for the mongoose. Because what happens is, yeah, it, it yeah, it's not the so same. well. Yeah, they're, it, they're it, different, exactly. but they're the same. See, like, for instance, a mongoose does not have binocular vision like we do or like like a. Uh, uh, a meerkat does. A meerkat can see up to a mile perfectly. So what happens is the mongoose feeding time in the sanctuary. The mongoose doesn't eat. I mean, the meerkat doesn't eat. The meerkat gets up as high as he can, as she can, and keeps a lookout, acts as a sentry, so that they can eat in safety and not get attacked by a hawk or something like that. It's really wonderful. And yep. and also babies, babies. When the mongoose had babies, guess what? Auntie Cameron took care of the little mongooses just like she would a meerkat. And here's a little known fact. Did you know, John, that the aunties in a tribe like that, even if they can't reproduce because they're they're uh, what you call it, uh, not alpha, you know, only the yeah. alpha females usually reproduce. Well, in this case, a mongoose and a, and a meerkat are probably not going to reproduce. They're too different. But what happened in this case was the uh the non-alpha females actually nurse. The aunties nurse the little pups. So she got nursing duty and she got, uh, Jeez. Uh, you know, yeah, isn't that cool? So, so that, yeah, that's, that's more than the doting uh, uh, auntie. Yeah. You know, that yeah. fawns over the the, the critters uh, the, as she babysits. She's actually she's, doing a little extra duty there. She's doing sentry duty. duty. She's on, on uh, she's working in the kitchen. Babysitting, she's she's doing it all, man. She's doing it all. This is one hardworking meerkat, and they like to work. They like a job. You know, some animals like a job. I don't know if you knew that, but they do. You know, corgis oh, like oh. a job too. 
uh, those little corgi dogs. You know, yeah, they're working dogs. They work on cattle farms. They they herd cattle. And if they get irritated or restless when you have a pet corgi, you got to give them something to do. Yeah. Well, this one has got plenty to do. Uh, and what's what's really really good about it, it's met the test of time. It's been doing this for six years. And another interesting thing is this five mongooses that it was with is now fifty. So yeah. it's uh, it, it's the population has increased. Um, they they get along very well. Um, and like you said, the scent is you know that they, they kind of mess around and hang with each other. So it's all the meerkat's just one of the family. What can you say? That's it. That's it. It worked out Good. well. Hey, hey we, we got a word today. Mm. We have got a word. Our word is news literacy. And ah. what this is, it's the ability to determine the credibility of news and other information and to recognize the standards of fact-based journalism to know what to trust, share, and act on. Um, and I think uh, the sentence I came up with is the digital age poses news literacy challenges for a civil society. I got this from a... Uh, uh, there's the colleges are particularly the school of journalism in many of the schools, uh, universities uh, has a, a a course, and in which it deals with news literacy, and that's and this one was Stony Brook University School of Journalism is where I got this this sentence. I also want to comment about the fact that uh, there's another term called media literacy, and uh. news literacy deals with trying to understand the news. And in the credibility media is trying to understand the platforms upon which this news comes, particularly social media, because what happens is we realize that quite often the news, the consumers of news and the producers of news kind of get meshed together, particularly in something like Twitter, where all of a sudden you're reading comments and you think, well, wow, is that news or what is that? So you got to be careful. So Ooh. that's the good word. That is a good word. I like it a lot. And let me guess, our two takes has something to do with news literacy. It's right there, smack dab. That's what it's all about. What happened was that I read an article. Well, actually, to, to give a little, I, I went to the Wayback Machine and I thought about, remember the good old days in high school when we would take uh, contemporary issues on, on Monday morning? Uh, with we, Weldon uh, Cox. Cox, and what he would do is he would give us a pop quiz, although we knew it was going to happen, on about, assuming that we had we read the Sunday paper, and so he'd pick four or five questions out, and we would have to answer them, and you know whatever. Now, but you know what? That's different now, because you know what they do now? They give you what? five or six stories, and what you've got to do in class is you've got to tell them which one's the fake one. Oh, really? Wow. Really? By the way, that's that's fake news because I made that up. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? But uh, oh. so <laughs> that was very bad. I'm, I'm a bad. That was I'm a bad. very bad boy. But at least I, yeah. I, I I said it's fictional. But here's the deal. The deal is that uh, read an article sometimes uh, that was it was called uh, building public trust in media is essential to democracy, or the idea being that when Trust in news waivers, so does democracy. So we understand right now we're in a very we have a very divisive environment as it relates to information and people uh, have different views. And those views are quite often based upon uh, things that are not true. 
So public trust in the news industry is essential to protecting our democracy and to work. The news industry must write credible things and go by standards. And the consumers of that news must be able to identify it. And so in the end, in it, we have to think about this in the context of the First Amendment, which provides us with free speech. So the press needs to understand the indispensable role that they have in our country. And people of all ages and background must be able to identify credible news. And so what this all led to, this article that I read was written by the managing marketing manager of a nonprofit organization called the News Literacy Project. So I did a little work on that and, and found out that the, this, non, this educational nonprofit is, advances uh, news literacy by creating better informed, more engaged, and more empowered individuals. Uh, they provide resources to both educators, that being high school teachers, and maybe even uh, junior high school teachers. And the, they also give the public uh, help in trying to learn how to identify credible information through a variety of programs. Now. Being the good providers of news that we are, we felt yeah. the need to basically take a look at this organization. And I have a little bit of experience in, in nonprofits. And of course, I am the, uh, being an auditor, I'm sort of a, a natural uh, pro professional skeptic. So I took a look and made sure that this is a national education nonprofit, it, uh, the National, uh, the News Literacy Project, based in DC, founded in 2008. So it's got the test of time. I looked at their tax returns that have been all filed on a timely basis. They get an annual audit by an auditor. Uh, they And through the review of the returns, I took a look. And their their benefit uh, percentage of, the, of expenses is a little bit low. It's like 80%. And usually I like to see it in the mid-80s. But uh, looking a little bit further, it, they've got some great programs. And also, uh, there's one thing I noticed, and you noticed right away, just looking at the website, that they do a great job and they must be spending a lot of money on their website. So looking at their website, what's your feel about the organization? Any, any thoughts on that? Well, you know, you can't always judge a book by its cover, but, uh, you know, I'm, this is part of my field and I see, you know, lots of websites every day, just in the normal course of hanging out and working and various things. I was very, very impressed from first sight of, of this website. You know, it's, it's very classy, uh, the colors, the fonts, all that stuff. It all sounds, to the uninitiated, it sounds like, well, what's the big deal? You would not believe the lengths to which people go to choose fonts and colors. Yeah. And how often, and how often it looks terrible. And also what, how to deal with uh, photos and diagrams and all that stuff. Design and user experience is a huge thing uh, for websites and especially, you know, just the regular design stuff. So these guys crossed every T, dotted every I. They had everything perfect on the site. And the first thing I said to you when I saw this, when I went to the site, I told, I said to you, wow, somebody spent some money on this site. <laughs> Yeah then, yeah, then I found out it was $373,000 out of a budget of about uh, $3.5 million. So they spent over 10% of their total expenses on, on, on website, and it looks like it's, it's well worth it is what they've done. Uh, yeah, um, I, think, I think it is. That's my opinion, and I know what the billing rates are and all that stuff. And that's not really out of line for what they were uh, trying to do. To because, yeah, in what in the yeah. way they're trying to do it. I mean, they're they're dealing with mm -hmm. you know dealing with the internet primarily. So when we take a look, I'm not going to go into a lot of the details of the programs, but just to say that 
we looked at some of the things that they do, the actual detailed programs. Keep in mind that for educators, that's one of the two prongs, educators versus the public. For the educators, they set up an environment that leaves for a lot of collaboration, networking, so that high school teachers can you know, bounce ideas off of each other and come up with, with the way that they're going to do things. But they also provide uh, a platform to design the, the actual uh, course materials. They got a resource library. They come up with a weekly newsletter that has relevant news and recent examples of misinformation so that we're not only dealing about spouting about it, but coming up with actual things that, that have happened. Uh, they also set up so that at the class level, they can bring in journalists. Uh, maybe that will be through like a, a webinar or maybe through just an internet connection with a video, et cetera. So they do a pretty good job in that front. They've also got the general public where they have something called Rumor Guard. Now, took a look at it. It, it, it. It's common sense. I mean, it's taking a look at a rumor or taking a look at, a, at a, an article and making sure that it makes sense. It, it's within the context of, of the, the example that they're giving. Uh, it's got credible source. It, it's so it's, it's pretty, pretty obvious. They've also got some ways that you can test your literacy skills through short activities, quizzes, et cetera. They also put in a separate newsletter out for the, uh, for the, the public. So you, they, they got some great programs. I looked at their podcasts. They're, to be truthful, they're, they're a little bit old. They don't update and have a new podcast like mm. every week like we, we do. Well, it's been a yeah. while. But they've got so much other things that they're doing. And also, yeah, so yeah. It, it's really good. Now, we got the uh, another thing that really makes us very timely is not this week, but last week. They did a national, for the fourth year in a row, they did a national news literacy week. And it's to bring public awareness to the programs that they do. But they also have, in this conference, they have program events. And hey, even though it happened, it isn't like we missed the ball because all of the events are on video. And I had the opportunity to, re, to, to see one or to, to, to view one on the, on the Internet that dealt with Chicago-based uh, news producers, oh, wow. uh, whether it be the Chicago Sun-Times, all the way down to what they call the uh, the city block, which is one that looks at news at a neighborhood level. Now, I'm a news nerd, and and I and I gravitate. This it was just great to hear from the people that I produce yeah. the news that I read every day, and so that was that was real good. But they they did a, a variety of things. They in them they they talked a little bit about at the student level how you know art, um, cartoons, diagrams, etc. can can be very influential on how we need to use them. There's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So that's that's, that's the the lay of the land. Uh, feel real good about the organization. Like I said before, there's other this type of stuff is done also at the at the college level. A lot of the the the, the top flight uh, schools of journalism, such as Northwestern, deal with this, and uh, and and that's it, it, it's it's really good and it, it's very important. And you, it is uh, now. You know, uh, this we we live in a very hectic environment, as you know, John. Newswise, and you and I are news hounds. We cover this stuff, but not just that. We have arms and legs out there all over the world helping us because we're old yep. codgers and people feel sorry for us. So uh, one of those people is Sarah Reichelt down there in Australia. And sure yeah. enough, this morning when I woke up, and I didn't even have time to talk to you about this, she sent me an article that Harvard is shutting down 
project that studied social media misinformation. They started it with COVID when the COVID information was all poobar. Yeah. And uh, this was at the Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government. And they announced uh, just like in the last week, they're shutting it down. So what we are talking about here today and what the News Literacy Project is doing, very very important. So what's the implications of shutting this down? Why would they want to do that? Uh, I don't have all the, the data in yet, but it's yeah, a story is, that we it, have yeah, to. Okay. Yeah. It, it's an example of, of there, there's a lot of action in this area. Uh, that, that's there pressure. is. And, and pressure um, and pressure and controversy. Like who's yeah, to say I, what the truth is kind of a thing, which is a stupid thing to say. Facts are facts. But the, yeah, the atmosphere. Age, the, yeah, the culture, the age that we live in uh, just breeds the opportunity for misinformation to be provided. I mean, COVID is a, is a great example uh, of where yeah. back we, we learned all of a sudden all these outrageous uh, theories, uh, conspiracies, uh, you know, yeah. ideas of where did this all come from. So many rumors were out there and it was hard to sift through and figure out what was going mm. on. So, yeah, this is an yeah. important uh, the function and it's make, making yep. sure. And I, I like to feel the passion that I, these, these, my, my favorite part of this whole thing was, was listening to some of the, of these videos at the conference and the passion that the news producers have. And that, that, that goes a long way to making sure things are yeah. correct. I agree. So. What do you got? You got some groaners for us, John? Hey, I got a couple groaners here. Our groaners are provided to us by Vincent the Lauder Jr. And okay, listen, I got two of them here. Here's the first one. What's the favorite graphic display used by a Swedish statistic teacher? What is the favorite graphic display used by a Swedish statistic teacher? All right, that's a meatballs, but I don't know why. Um, it's 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 kind of sad. A Sven oh. diagram. <laughs> oh, that is fiendishly good. I like Yeah, that, it's scary good. Okay, here's one. I like, here's I like one I, diagrams. I, that's the reason I, 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 I had to do this one. I couldn't resist it. It's yeah. Coach gave, yeah. gave us this one. So here's my other one I, I, I came up with. How long did the thief get sentenced stealing a calendar? How long did the thief get, for, get sentenced for stealing a calendar. Boy, John, you know, I feel like I should know this, but I'm afraid yeah. it's above it's, my take it's, rate. Uh, it's what the, the, the hint is 12. 12 is a magic number here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got 12 months. <laughs> oh, man. Now, that is a true groaner. 